Hey everyone, thanks for hopping in for this week's episode of PJ's Ponderings. I wanted to give a little bit of a disclaimer as we jump into this week's topic. I'm currently pursuing my master's at Northwest University in Kirkland, Washington, and uh, doing it online, but the class that I am in <clears throat> asked for a final that uh, involved a couple different options, and I chose the option and format of doing a podcast. So this week's message or podcast is a little bit more academic in nature and is kind of fulfilling that role for my class, but I felt like the topic and content of it was also pertinent to some of the things that I would want to talk about anyway. So as you jump in and listen, keep that in mind, but hope you enjoy as we look at what it uh, takes for spiritual formation in our lives. When it comes to spiritual formation, we have to start with a working definition that will help us to understand the goal and purpose of spiritual formation as we discuss the different but pertinent elements that team together in our lives to either help or hinder that process. Spiritual formation defined by Mary Kate Morse at Portland Seminary reads this way. Spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the glory of God and for the sake of others. She pulls that from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. If we are to be conformed to the image of Christ, there has to be a starting point to that process, as well as a certain posture that maintains throughout the process in order for it to be successful. That starting point truly is the admission and recognition that we are indeed sinners in need of a savior. We have to be willing to come to that reality that we need help, that we need a rescuer. We need to be redeemed and saved from our own choices that have led us away from God. A book that I'm particularly fond of that discusses this posture is the book Misfits Welcome by Matthew Barnett. In that book, he does a wonderful job of framing the biblical and Jesus-exemplified way of setting our perspective correctly in our personal lives, but also when we are in the ministry context. We are indeed misfits. This is truly where the process of spiritual formation begins. It's, again, that admission and the following invitation of Christ to enter our hearts and our lives that we find the beginnings of our often slow but steady growth in conformity to Christ. Once we've made the decision to follow Christ in our lives, we enter this lifelong journey. John Throop discusses this journey through the lens of five elements that are necessary for spiritual formation. Those five elements, or he says facets, are as follows. One, reflective reading. Two, active repentance. Three, total stewardship. Four, penetrating prayer. And five, community accountability. These five things are crucial as we seek alignment to Christ. Why? Well, because we have to be reading his word in order to truly get to know him. We should be actively repenting for the things that could and do get in the way of our mindset and our hearts submitting and also connecting with God. We need to steward not just our finances, as we often hear, but our entire lives as well as having intentional and fervent prayer. All of this is meant to happen both individually, but also in the context of community, which is so vital that we have others around us 
going the same direction that can provide support and encouragement when needed, as well as challenge when needed. Keeping all of this in mind, one element of spiritual formation that I believe is often overlooked in the modern church is the utility and necessity, I would say, for waiting and also for suffering in the life of a Christian. Suffering and hardship are not only promised when we look at the scriptures, for example, sir, for example, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where God is responding to Paul, who asked him to remove a, quote, thorn in my flesh. And God responds with this, for my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Then if we read in some other sections, James 1 or Romans 5 as an example, we quickly begin to see that not only should we expect hardship and suffering, but that God actually utilizes those things for our growth in many ways. In those moments, in those seasons, there is this context where we can find intense, but also immense growth. Romans tells us that the confident hope of salvation only comes from the process of suffering, which creates endurance, which builds our character, which leads us to confident hope. Of salvation. So we can't even get to that level of in-depth, confident hope, full understanding of the gospel and what it means for our life unless we do endure and face hardship. I think that Elizabeth Elliot captures this truth with an incredible raw depth in her book, Suffering is Never for Nothing. In this book, Elliot discusses many hardships that she faced throughout her life. But within that, she confidently maintains that these sufferings are what allowed her to know God in a way that could not be attained otherwise. She shares about how her first husband was killed while doing mission work in Ecuador by the tribe that they were trying to reach for the gospel. She also shares about her friends being killed in that same instance, along with her second husband dying from cancer. She faced some very difficult situations in her life. And yet she says this, and I quote, the deepest things that I've learned in my own life have come from the deepest suffering and out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires have come the deepest things that I know about God. So what she is sharing with us in that quote and in much of that book is how God is able to reach us in some very unique ways when we're facing hardships in our lives. There is something unique about hardship and suffering in that it really forces us to not rely on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own past experiences. These difficult times force us into full reliance on God. This deep reliance on God really is vital for the spiritual formation of a Christian. And I would argue from my personal life and story, but also from examples like Elizabeth Elliot and the scriptures that I shared previously, that these sufferings and hardships are truly necessary for us to understand the fullness of who God is as he did come as our suffering servant to die on the cross. And so for us to understand that depth of meaning, suffering is truly necessary. Thankfully though, we aren't limited only to experiencing God in hardship and suffering. It is also in the good and vibrant times of life that we can see a depth of relationship and significant and meaningful growth in our walk with Christ. That really truly comes from the consistent practice of the spiritual disciplines. 
Now, if you're not familiar with spiritual disciplines, however, if you've been in this class, you would be. Donald Whitney in the 12 Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, as well as Ruth Barton's book, Sacred Rhythms, give us some meaningful direction to the different spiritual disciplines, as well as their benefits to the life of a Christian. It holds incredible value to every follower of Christ to dedicate time to the formation of their spiritual life. That formation only can happen when we intentionally dedicate time with regularity to these spiritual disciplines. Now, it is also important to note that each of us, as we maybe take pursuit on these spiritual disciplines and try to incorporate them into our lives, we should note that our personality, past experiences, and current habits have led us to experience life through a certain lens. That lens also can affect how we might interact with these spiritual disciplines. We might find that certain disciplines are far easier than others. We might find that certain disciplines are far harder than we thought they might be. Personally, as I've pursued these disciplines in my own life, I have found that to be true, that some are far easier than others. For example, I have always struggled as a major extrovert to lean in with consistency to the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. Those things are just very hard for me to step into as I much prefer to be with people and to be in the context of community. However, I've also noticed that when I've made time to be in solitude and to get away from distraction, that I'm able to connect with God in a unique way that just doesn't happen otherwise. As Richard Foster and Dallas Willard discuss all of these ideas around spiritual disciplines, they both agree on many fronts that this is something that requires training. It will not happen naturally per se, and therefore requires us to put in time and effort. With time, this training and intentional development can lead us into healthy habitual practices as well as a more in-depth and connected relationship with God. So what does it mean practically for you and I? It means that we as followers of Jesus need to intentionally develop our relationship with God and maintain healthy patterns of spiritual disciplines to maintain but also to grow our relationship with Jesus. Spiritual disciplines are meant to challenge us. They're meant to drive us more and more into the presence of God. We have to learn to submit ourselves to what God has called us to do. We have to learn to sacrifice our comfort and our patterns of life in order to align ourselves to him. This is how suffering and spiritual disciplines lead us into spiritual formation, or perhaps better put, the spiritual transformation of our lives. Thanks for listening.